to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. It is another week of crossover podcasts here on the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Today, we have a podcast with Locked On Rams, Bear Madar, to talk about the Rams and the Cowboys, the week one matchup. Uh, Landon handles this interview, so we'll jump right into it right now. Hey, Cowboys Nation. Welcome back. I am Landon, as you know, from Locked On Cowboys, and I am joined by my crossover guest this week from the Rams, Brad Mater, Brad, welcome, and uh, uh, I'm excited to talk football with you. Oh, I'm really excited, especially now, you know, we know the schedule. It's week one, us two teams throwing it down in this brand new stadium, if the schedule goes as planned, but we're going to have a really good chat here talking about both teams and what has happened so far this offseason. Yeah, we understand this is a pretty big uh, hypothetical on whether or not this game even goes down as scheduled, but we are definitely going to attack it like it is because... You know, let's take all the COVID stuff out of this. What an exciting week one game this would be. I mean, Rams versus Cowboys, brand new stadium uh, in town. Um, I think this had uh, the, you know, the makings for a great kickoff to the season. Um, and really, it just as a Cowboys fan, I'll say, frankly, just anything but playing the Giants on week one right. is really right. a nice, a nice breakup. So. Um, but let's let's talk let's talk some Rams right real quick. Um, uh, you guys came into uh, the the draft with uh, two second two key second round picks and two key third round picks that I really want to discuss uh, real quick. Um, two on offense and two on defense. Van Jefferson uh, and Cam Akers uh, were the additions on offense, and then Terrell Lewis and Terrell Burgess uh, in the third on defense. Now Cowboys fans are pretty familiar, likely with. Terrell Lewis and Terrell Burgess, especially because the Cowboys uh, were, were were targeting those players, I, and I think at different points we're looking at them. So I think they're they're familiar with what those guys uh, potentially will add to your defense. Talk to me about Van Jefferson and Cam Akers. I, I'm a big fan personally of Van Jefferson. I really liked his tape. I thought he was a fantastic looking route runner, um, and really a great fit for what you guys do. Uh, t- tell me what your thoughts were on, on specifically Jefferson and Akers. And then if you want, you can expand a little bit on Lewis and, and Burgess as well. Yeah, it was really the third round that started to make me feel really good about this Rams draft. You mentioned the two defensive players there. And I had to kind of come back, circle around to our second round picks to kind of rehype myself on what the direction is the Rams were going because I wanted many of defensive players and I thought that was where we had a lot of holes uh, but you look at Todd Gurley leaving uh, via being released and then going out to Atlanta you know he walked away with about 200 plus carries over the last five years that he was averaging so it makes sense to go get a big time back like Cam Akers a guy that comes from an offensive line at Florida State that isn't anything to brag about now coming to an offensive line last year that wasn't much to brag about so you know we can work with uh, not having a lot in front of him but I think the Rams are going to be better at offensive line but uh, for him coming in he's he's a balanced runner he's got strength he's got speed and I think you needed a guy in the room because if you look at who's there Daryl Henderson who they moved up last year into the third round to go get and then Malcolm Brown kind of veteran who's been around for five plus years here in Los Angeles uh, they needed somebody to take the majority of that workload I don't care if you're a running back by committee someone's still got to kind of be that lead back and I think that's what they went and did with getting Cam Akers they didn't really expect him to be there uh, and when he was 
was uh, they were really excited about going and getting him. So I'm now really excited as I've dug a little bit deeper into his film. And then Van Jefferson, this is a guy that really looks so much like a couple guys we already have on the roster, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And uh, even listening to some of their draft conversations that the Rams have released, they kind of said that some of their scouts thought if, you know, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup looked into a mirror, they would see Van Jefferson, that he is uh, a little bit of column A, a little of column B of those two guys. Uh, he's got some speed, which I think he's underrated for. This is something I've said a couple times, but going back to Cooper Cup, when he was at the Senior Bowl, he was marked as the fastest guy in pads there. The same thing goes for Van Jefferson. Uh, he's coming off an, a foot injury that didn't really allow him to perform at the combine, but he ran well with pads on, which at the end of the day, I don't care if you run a 4-2, but if you throw pads on, all of a sudden you're really slow. Uh, Van Jefferson showed down at the Senior Bowl that that's not the case. So they really like that. And then you mentioned it, the route running. Uh, I think he's a guy that can come right into the NFL. He comes from a pedigree uh, with his father at that position, being a position coach. So uh, really excited to get him in the building, working with those veterans like Robert Woods. And, you know, we still have Josh Reynolds around. I think that's really the competition is where does he find his way onto the field? Probably uh, Josh Reynolds is going to get the bulk of that at the beginning. But if Van can take his opportunities and run with it, I really look for him uh, to be that third piece missing uh, since Brandon Cooks has moved on. Yeah, and I got to say, when when Van got drafted, it was one of those moments where uh, you're, you're like, well, of course, Van Jefferson is is a Ram. I mean, that just makes so much sense. And I think you said it. He's just so similar to the guys that you already have on the roster um, that he's going to fit right in. I, I think he's got real talent, and I think he's uh, he's going to surprise some people because he's just – the floor is so high on, on a kid like Van Jefferson. He just has – you know, innate, innate ability that uh, a lot of people, you know, take a while to get used to and learn in, in the NFL that he's going to come in with right away. Uh, speaking of offense, uh, on offense, you know, coming back into this season on the offseason, you guys signed Austin Blythe, you re-signed Andre Whitworth. Is improving the offensive line all that needed to be done to get this offense looking closer to the 2018 form as opposed to the 2019 form of this of this LA Rams offense it's a huge part of it right because you're looking back at the 17 and 18 season a group that played every single game together that was one of the better units in the NFL Saffold leads uh Sullivan our center retires or kind of is pushed out the door whatever way you want to look at it and they really believed in a couple really young guys Brian Allen Joseph Noteboom both those guys tear their knees last year and we see guys like David Edwards and Bobby Evans who were draft picks in the last year's class step up and really fill a hole but they were a mess I mean even when we went down to Dallas and played you guys last year the, the offense line was uh you know having troubles at that point but they finished the season really strong last five games really kind of came together continuity so I think it's a big part of it I think it allows the Rams to go back to the running game which we saw in the 17 and 18 season where they really helped Jared Goff with the play action didn't put everything the whole playbook on him to get it done uh so it starts the offensive line but you're right getting Andrew Whitworth back was huge signing him to a three-year deal uh expecting hopefully just one maybe a bonus two year out of him Uh, no one I think is really expecting him to go three years uh figuring out you know who's gonna play center Austin Blythe as mentioned was re-signed he played right guard last year finished at center when Brian Allen went out and played a lot better 
then we got Rob Havenstein at right tackle, who uh, in that uh, 17 and 18 season played awesome uh, in that Super Bowl run. And then last year really just was was a, a big step back for him. He finished with being injured and not playing. So hopefully getting him back to form, and you, you finally start to see some continuity there. So also expect for the Rams to go a little bit more 12 personnel than they were in the past. That's kind of how they finished the season as well. And it was starting to work. Get Jared Goff rolling out on some bootleg, get him outside the pocket, throwing the football, as well as adding some extra blockers to help some of these young guys. So it starts at the offensive line, but that allows you to run the ball, allows Jared Goff to throw the ball at peace, which when he's given some protection, he's pretty good. When not, uh, that's when we see the bat of Jared Goff. So uh, a big, big year for this offense line to step up and get it done. What about uh, in the running back room? I know we, you know, because of Gurley on the departure, it, it kind of changes the, all the angles. You still have Malcolm Brown, uh, you still have Daryl Henderson, you drafted last year, and obviously Cam Akers gets injected into this. How do you feel like that will all get sussed out as far as carries, or is that just? too nebulous to kind of try to sort through without any practice at this point. I mean, it's really tough to kind of sort out, but I think if you go and get a guy in the second round, you're kind of telling, uh, maybe not telling the world, but you should have some sort of uh, energy to try to getting him the football on a consistent basis. So I, I really look at it, and you're, if you're looking at the body of work in Daryl Henderson last year, uh, when he was able to get some action, he really flashed at times, but he was banged up as the season closed as well. Another storyline of the 2019 Rams was injuries all over the place. Um, and Malcolm Brown showed at times when Todd Gurley needed a breather that he could be a guy as well. But I really think it's you know sitting at the 50% and over for Cam Akers and then split the rest uh, between Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. Uh, both those guys, Henderson and Cam, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Malcolm Brown's probably your best run blocker, maybe your goal line guy. So it's going to be interesting to see how they work it into different packages depending on what they're looking to do. Both Akers and Henderson can work out of the shotgun pretty well. Um, and again, going back to Malcolm Brown, he's kind of just your do-it-all back. Uh, really was able to step in and show his value last year in some of those games that Todd Gurley was down. So uh, I really think it's it's a Cam Akers show, uh, heavy driven, but I wouldn't be surprised. Also, if you start to give Daryl Henderson some carries and he's breaking out, I think it's going to be a hot hand as well. So uh, look a lot like the Niners of last year. As you saw them working three different guys. And if you had any of those guys on fantasy, you know, one week they'd have three touchdowns and the next week they'd have three touches. And you're like, what the heck are we doing over here? But they were just kind of riding a hot hand and they kind of kept mixing it up. And this is a copycat league. So I expect the Rams with three very viable backs to look to do something similar, maybe not copycat of that, but get everyone involved. Something that may not be similar this year is the Rams defense because they have a new defensive coordinator. Brandon Staley takes over for legendary defensive coordinator Wade Phillips, who Cowboys fans are all too familiar with. Uh, how different or similar, I guess, are things going to be under Staley? Is there a change in mentality? I know that you know Wade Phillips is known for his one-gapping 3-4, and obviously we're playing more base, more nickel as a base than anything, but... Where do you think the differences are going to be between the, a Staley call defense and a Wade Phillips defense? Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing to watch this year. And obviously it's going to stick with that 3-4. But I think the way that he's going to utilize some of those linebackers and really the big problem for the Rams under Wade was their 
inconsistency in the run game. And I think that's something that he's got to have circled on his, uh, you know, big board as far as coming into this team. He wants to put an imprint that, hey, we're going to be physical up at the point of attack versus the run, uh, bringing in guys like Leonard Floyd, who, you know, probably is better against the run than he is as a pass rusher right now. And he's actually said that he's putting a lot of work this offseason in improving his pass rushing ability. But Leonard Floyd, newcomer here, also talked about Brandon Staley and a lot of these virtual workouts that they're doing right now and said he loves his passion, that this guy knows how to motivate you and he's not even in the same room right now. So really excited to see if Leonard Floyd can kind of step in and be that Dante Fowler of last year, a guy that put up 11 and a half sacks for us uh, his first full year with the Rams, a guy that was kind of written off in Jacksonville, came out here and saw some success, of course, because a guy like Aaron Donald's getting two, three, sometimes the whole line is paying attention to him. So uh, we really need guys like him to step up. You mentioned Terrell Lewis, uh, the third round draft pick. He's got a great opportunity to come in and compete right away, coming off the edge. I mean, this guy is massive athlete. I keep going back to this, but the same wingspan as LeBron James. We always dream about LeBron James playing football. We'll just check out the Rams sometime, and you'll see Terrell Lewis very similar to his uh, physique and, and what he can do athletically. So I'm excited about those two guys coming off the edge, but look for uh, Brandon Staley to put his little uh, fing- fingerprints on this defense, and I'm excited to see what he does in that secondary. A lot of talented guys with John Johnson coming back, Taylor Rapp, the draft pick from last year, Troy Hill playing some of his best football last year, and of course, Jalen Ramsey. So uh, they've got tons of depth in that position, and I'm excited to see how they're going to utilize these guys flying around, making tackles, and hopefully making it difficult on third and longs. Exciting stuff. It looks like things are changing uh, on the defensive side quite a bit. Uh, Guys, stick with us. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to flip this a little bit, and uh, Brad's going to ask me some Cowboys questions. Just wanted to remind you guys that today's episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you will ever have. I can promise you that. It's hard to even explain just how good Built Bars are. Uh, I tried the peanut butter one the other day and was just blown away by how good it was. Did not taste like a protein bar at all. I swear that you're eating a candy bar, and that's just how good it is. Uh, The best part about Built Bar is they're fantastic for you. They have an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There's no crazy additives. If you want to experience a Built Bar, and I highly, highly recommend that you do, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. So we're back here on the NFC West, NFC East crossover. Always a fun time when we get everybody here on the show talking about different teams as we check in with the local hosts. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. We've got Landon McCool here with us from Lockdown Cowboys. Uh, we kind of just went over everything going on with the Rams, and it's a lot of change here, especially with everything that's going on in this offseason. And as you look at this Cowboys team, uh, a very interesting offense for or, offseason for you guys as well and I want to start with the draft because uh, looking at what you guys did I really liked your draft and and you mentioned it uh, I believe earlier that the Cowboys were interested in some of the players that the Rams ended up with Uh, but you know looking at the way the draft was you guys were right before us in almost every single pick so it was always waiting to see what the Cowboys were going to do to see who was available but uh, you guys had a great opportunity early in the first round to go and get a stud wide receiver uh, falling to what was that pick 17 overall Mm -hmm. I didn't really expect expect one of those big guys to still be there maybe the Cowboys didn't either but they jumped all over it what were your thoughts when they went wide receiver maybe a group that you're not lacking much talent there of course obviously with Amari Cooper getting that big contract there Uh, but it seemed like most Cowboys nation seemed to really enjoy that pick what were your thoughts when they went and selected a wide receiver with their first round pick 
Well, the funny thing about it is, you know, there has been a contingency of, of Cowboys Twitter, I would say at least, that has been you know, gathering under the hashtag of uh, Team 40 Burger. And, and the whole idea of the, the Cowboys need to lean into their offense even further and basically just create an offense that just scores 40 points against everybody. And then, you know, that that'll be our defense as well. Um, and then, you know, I, I and this was well, you know, like right after the, the offseason kind of started. And I, I think, you know, going into the early part of free agency, once Mike McCarthy got signed and Kellen Moore was retained – uh, there was a large thought process that uh, that we were gonna get uh, have very have a very similar kind of you know wide receiver core that we had last year and and you know I think that was the thing that uh, that really uh, that really surprised us was when you know they the, the Texans ended up uh, trading uh, away their top wide top wide receiver yeah. and then signing Randall Cobb for almost ten million dollars a, a season. I, mean, I think everybody in Dallas was expecting Randall Cobb to, to come back and be the slot receiver. But when but when he didn't get re-signed, I think even more people at that point were saying, hey, wide receiver should be something that should be considered in the first round. Uh, and I think that there was a contingency again that, that thought, okay, well, if someone like um, you know, Ruggs or, you know, maybe Judy because he has some 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 medical stuff that there was there was rumbling about, you know, before the draft. If one of those guys fell to them, would the Cowboys take him? You know, would the Cowboys take them over uh, a Caleb on chase on or, uh, you know, I mean, really, Trayvon Diggs was a guy that we were considering at 17. Um, and so when C.D. Lamb fell, I, I mean, I, I'll never forget how I felt when the 49ers selected J- Javon Kinlaw and right. not a wide receiver. I, at that, at that moment, I think all of us were like, Oh my gosh, this is, this, this could happen. Uh, and then, uh, honestly to see Atlanta take, make a pick, uh, and not trade that. I mean, I, I think a, a good portion of us were just ready for, for the, the Eagles to trade with Atlanta come right in front of us and yeah. steal CD lamb. Like that's what we all assumed kind of what was going to happen. Um, and really, I think it wouldn't have been, uh, the worst because we would have we we had all been resigned to well we're not going to get Caleb Von Chase on that's really Caleb Von Chase on and CJ Henderson were the two guys that we didn't think we were going to get we hope we get uh, and Chase on was still there as well so all of us I think had resigned to the fact that Lamb wasn't going to make it we would end up with Chase on and when Lamb did make it I mean wine flowed through the streets <laughs> I, I I don't know that I I mean I've been a Cowboys fan my whole life I don't know that I've seen the Cowboys nation so unified in such a way uh since they've won a super Bowl, which has been a long time so it was it was it was very exciting all across the 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 fandom to see not just that pick but then frankly to turn around and get trayvon diggs at 51 when you were considering him at 17 or or in a trade down in the first round scenario uh that really was that's really what made the cd lamb pick even more beautiful in in our minds yeah no and totally of course i mean when you have a player in mind and then you don't have to move for him and he falls to you it's the best of both worlds especially when your first two picks are guys you absolutely fall in love with uh and they're going to be fun to watch out there for a long time in dallas and uh one of the 
conversations we got to talk about, obviously, you know, especially with Jared Goff out here signing a big contract the previous mm. year and Dak still sitting, waiting for his big contract. They bring in Andy Dalton, uh, which was interesting for some people. And I saw it kind of almost when obviously Jared Goff was already signed at this point, but we brought in Blake Bortles and not the same compared to Andy yeah. Dalton. I think Andy Dalton's still a much better quarterback than that, but kind of bringing in this guy, this veteran to step in, maybe learn, hang out for a year and then be able to hit the free agent market again. But what are your uh, opinions on that quarterback room and, you know, Dak playing under the franchise tag? Are you okay with that? Do you see any uh, effect in his players? It's really just up to him to go and ball out and go earn that contract. Regardless, he's getting paid a good amount of money. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am definitely one who falls under the, the category of I'm not worried about the Dak contract thing until the day is done. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been through, I've, covered the team long enough to remember that uh there was no way in heck that demarcus lawrence is signing his deal with the cowboys there's no way in in heck that zeke is signing his deal i you know it's just they've done this so many different times and deadlines make deals so until that july 15th deadline when they can't you know and he has to sign his his tender and they can't redo a, a a deal for that year i i just i i've i think it's I t- personally am of the belief he they will sign the deal right now. The only argument that they're having right now is is a, is an argument between five or four years. That's that they are they have agreed basically on money. That's why a lot of this conjecture is funny in the media is that everyone's talking about the money. Well, they want to they pay Dak. The money's basically you know accounted for. The money right. is basically agreed upon. It's it's about the number of years Dak wants an extra bite at the apple a year earlier, which you can't blame the guy, right? Exactly. Uh that's where that's where the 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 crux of the argument is. I I think that that's such a small thing that it, it that getting closer to the deadline is will get it fixed. And if if not then, you know, I I don't love it. I don't love I I don't have questions on whether Dak will play play hard underneath the the deal. I I just I don't love the idea that they couldn't figure out a way to get him underneath that, you know, on a deal soon enough that they could have saved some money and not pay them, you know, because even with these, when they get these thirty-five million or forty million dollar contracts, you know, that's not what they're paying on the cap space, unless, you know, unless you're playing under the franchise tag. So, I, 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 I'm not worried about it. I will be more worried about it if they don't, if he has to play under the franchise tag and that really limits their ability to kind of sign people or do what they want. But uh, I, I tend to believe that if we wait long enough, the deal will get signed. And I, I have a hard time seeing Dak not being the quarterback for the Cowboys for a, a long time. Well, you said deals get deadlines or deadlines get deals done. And I think Rams fans are sitting over here going, I wish we were paying all of our players, Gurley and Jared Goff a year in advance. We we're over here just going, hey, you guys played well. Here's here's some money. Uh, didn't really work out. So maybe moving forward, that's what the Rams will do is use some of those deadlines to create some of these deals. Um, but you also talked about dropping 40 burgers, and that's the game plan. First of all, love that concept of the 40 burger and <laughs> and just making that a theme for an offense. And the Rams kind of did that on their way to the Super Bowl. I mean, that was they were the number yep. one offense that year. And they really just at times said, I don't care what you're going to do. We're just going to go score more points than you. Uh, and it worked out for them, and they had a defense that can put up some plays. But looking at your defense, uh, you have a defense that doesn't really need a 40 burger at times. 
times, especially with what they've done this offseason, adding Gerald McCoy from Carolina, Poe from Carolina, uh, haha, Clinton Dix from Chicago, and then obviously a linebacker core that's pretty good, adding the depth of some of those rookies. Um, is this a defense, probably one of the better defense you've seen in Dallas in the last handful of years? You know, it's it's interesting. We're, we're going to find out. I, I think that that's the thing is that we're not really sure what we're going to get. I mean, I, you know, it's it's a completely new defensive coordinator. And it's it's like I was telling somebody the other day, you know, we have a new head coach. Uh, he's an offensive minded coach. But I have to say that I think that if we're talking about which side is going to have the biggest transformation between last season and this season, I think it's going to be the defense. You know, we're going from that kind of and I'm sure you're all too familiar with it the kind of Seattle mode of, of the, that model of cover one, cover three defense, you know, a, a, a high speed everywhere, a, a four, three based one gapping kind of defense that is, you know, a tree from a tree branch of the old Rod Marinelli and Monty Kiffin defenses of the Tampa Bay days. Um, and, and now we're moving into more of a hybrid Four, three, three, four. You know, mostly one gap scheme, but with some two gap principles. A lot more cover two, two man. You know, middle of the field open kind of uh, coverage sets. I think you know that's where we're the most unknown. When I look at this team and I and I try to you know project forward on what's happening, defense is without a doubt the side of the ball that I have the hardest time trying to predict. Uh, just because. You know, we lost some talent. We've gained some talent. There's, uh, there's been a shift in philosophy that's even more severe than on the offensive side. We don't really know what Mike Nolan is as a defensive coordinator. We just know what he used to be. Right. And he's since then been with New Orleans, and New Orleans has done some interesting things uh, w- w- with their with their defense while he was there. So you kind of just cobble all that together and try to figure out what what's going to happen on defense. I, I think they have an interesting collection of talent. Uh, but I'm very interested to see exactly how all of it fits together because I don't know that it's it's something that is familiar with us because things are going to look, uh, I think, very differently than they did last year. Well, that's what's fun about the NFL. The free agency is always a blast to kind of keep an eye on, see how teams transition, especially with brand new coaches that obviously you're dealing with and out here in uh, L.A. with some of the position coaches uh, but at the end of the day, hopefully, uh, they're going to square up against each other and, and it's going to make for a really good matchup. And that's what we're going to transition to next coming up in the third segment. We're going to talk about this matchup week one. Does it happen? And if it does, what happens when they show down here in the new stadium at SoFi? Guys and gals, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club pick for May. Then anytime in May... Post a picture of you or your mom holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author Alka Joshi. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So, guys and girls, buy the henna artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. So we are back. I am Bear Motter of Locked On Rams. We've got Landon McCool with me from Locked On Cowboys. We've talked about the Rams. We've talked about the Cowboys. And here we are 
week one as these two teams show down, or at least on the schedule, September 13th, 520, Sunday night football, under lights, under a brand new stadium. I guess we'll start with the best place possible of, you know, if this game is on time and maybe looking at a scenario without fans, uh, how would that play out opening up a brand new stadium, Dallas Cowboys in town, two of the biggest names you can get in football under that stadium. And it could be a weird environment for that opening week of football. What are your thoughts of uh, these games without fans to kind of start the season or just kind of getting, you know, as many as you can in? What are your thoughts on kind of operating and working as this NFL season opens up? So this may be a little bit of, of a deep cut, but have you ever seen those memes on, on like Twitter or whatever where they play a, a, a shot of a movie and they cut all the audio out and it's just like one person clapping and right, it's just like a yeah. very hollow sounding? That's what I imagine whenever I picture, you know, these – uh, these the, the idea of these NFL teams playing in empty stadiums is just like the booming emptiness of 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 the sound of everything. I, that's what I think is going to be the most interesting thing to me is if they do this, uh, you know, uh, empty stadium games or you know limited seating stadium games. The sound is going to be so different. Yeah. You know, it's it, 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 the, the the games being broadcast. You're going to hear the pops. You're going to hear these people yelling at each other. Yeah, it's I, going to be very it's going to be very interesting. I'm curious to see what they're going to allow us as far as, you know, access to some of these mics, because you're right, because, you know, just watching the UFC over the weekend as they yeah, had their first exactly. event. And one of my favorite parts was in the main card where. Uh, you know, one of the, the announcers, DC, was telling him to move his legs in to protect the, the leg kicks. And he ended up doing that and won the match. And at the end, he said, yeah, I heard DC telling me I need to protect my legs. And, and that was a big turning point. And it's like he took the advice of the announcer and put it into the game. Yeah. And, and you're wondering yeah. how, you know, coaches yelling from the sideline as far as instruction or, you know, players as they get, my, you know, all hyped up. And so I'm really curious, as you mentioned, what the sound of the game is going to be like and how they'll give us access to that. But uh, if we have this game, regardless of fans or not, we mentioned this is going to be an awesome game. Uh, uh, looking back in just the short past couple years of the playoff game here in Los Angeles and uh, going on the road last year, really good games between the Cowboys and the Rams in the last handful of seasons. And even going back to when they opened up uh, here in the Coliseum with with the Cowboys, you guys are going to have uh, some good fans here uh, if they are allowed to come in and watch the game. But yeah. how do you look at this matchup? You talked about putting up a 40 burger, uh, looking at the Rams defense, Aaron, Aaron Donald, obviously up there on the line and Jalen Ramsey. I bet they'd have something to say about letting up 40 points. But, uh, you know, what is something <laughs> when you look at this matchup? What is something that jumps out at you? I, I mean, I think, again, the most fascinating part of this matchup, and, and I hate that it's like this, but the most fascinating part of this matchup at this point is looking at the units that are dealing with coaching changes. Yeah. Because we're talking about a week one where we don't really know what our offseason is going to look like. We don't know if OTAs are going to happen, mini camps, training camps. I mean, I'm assuming OTAs and mini camps just aren't happening because they're basically will be in the next few weeks. Uh, in you know teams without training camp or uh, or shortened training camp or just maybe like a, game, a preseason game or two, what is week one going to look like? You know what are these what are the Cowboys offense and the Cowboys defense and the Rams defense who all have different you know coordinators or coaches yeah. heading them up? How do those how are they dealing with no training camp? How are they dealing with uh, with the changes or not? You know the change the changes in scheme, how big or little they may be. I, I think that's the thing that's going to be really fascinating up front is just 
well, how much of this is even a good indication of what these teams are going to be? I, I think the fascinating thing as a Cowboys fan looking at the, uh, frankly, the first month of, of games is that we have a pretty difficult schedule. And I, I include the Rams in part of that. We have, we have the Rams. We have Atlanta, who I think will be better. Seattle, I think, is always a tough team to play. And, I, and then Cleveland Browns. And I think that really with, with this shortened season, I mean, with the shortened offseason, it's really going to be interesting to see how different these teams are at the beginning, the first month of the season versus the rest of the season. And I think if it comes down to just, you know, to, who's going to be able to physically dominate each other and, and really technique is kind of thrown out the window, uh, I, I, you know, I think one thing that I really worry about that interests me is is what is the Cowboys' offensive line versus the Rams' defensive line. I mean, that those are just two really impressive talented groups going against each other and if you know if 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 all the the skill players are out of sync or still kind of working their way through the, the system you know who's going to be able to win that battle of the trenches and dominate the line of scrimmage and maybe that will be the kind of deciding factor more than it normally would I mean not that it, that isn't obviously very important but maybe it's even more important in these early season games where you know, things are a little bit out of sync and whether or not you're able to prevent or create pressure is the difference between winning and losing. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the matchups I would be circling coming into this week. One is going to be offense line versus defense line on both sides of the ball, right? Because you're looking at the Rams and their offensive line. They finish strong, but we don't know what's going to happen. As you mentioned, we don't even have a confident starting five that I could tell you right now. I could place probably three guys in there, but then the other uh, two guard spots, it's going to be one virtually in camp, or I don't know when it's going to be one and and how that's going to go. So those are big question marks. And for an offensive line, uh, working together and having that continuity is a huge part of getting it done. So, uh, you know, will the Rams look to run the ball and, and work off some play action, or they just come out and, and, you know, put Jared Goff in shotgun and say, all right, let's test out this new secondary out there and see what they're up to. Uh, I'm really excited about this matchup because I think, again, as you mentioned it on the other side of the ball with your offense line and who we've got on our D front and how that's going to go, really the key is stop Zeke and then try to work backwards from there we didn't do it last time we were down in Dallas in fact uh I can't remember who your backup running back was at the time uh in my head but uh he went for over 100 yeah Pollard went for over 100 yards versus us I mean at that point Zeke was like all right I already got my 100 someone else go in there and tear him up it was really degrading coming back so I know they want some revenge and I think that's what makes for a fun game is last couple years there's been some really good fun matchups between these two teams and uh with Jerry Jones having his hand so much in uh Los Angeles getting a team back and building the stadium it's going to be fun to see him up in the suite and and hopefully watching this game so uh i guess last question just would be bold predictions coming out of week one are you one and oh or are you oh and one man it's so tough i mean like even if like this wasn't a normal thing to even if this was just a normal season to predict predicting week ones especially when you have new <laughs> coaching staff it's just like it's really difficult um you know, I, I I feel pretty good about the Cowboys this year. I'm and I'm you know obviously an endless homer, so I would probably pick Dallas. Maybe I I, I it's really tough because I just I think for the Cowboys we just have zero idea what our defense is going to look like right now. You know, and so uh, it's I think we feel like we've got good talent there, but the talent distribution is so different that it's it's really hard to kind of figure. So. 
Uh, I'm going to push and say that uh, I think the Cowboys win, but I mean that's very heavily because I, I am a Cowboys lifer. <laughs> hey, that's and it's a fair answer, and that's you know accepted here on the podcast. But I'm with you. I think it's it's really tough to tell, and and the only reason I would build my case for the Rams going one and zero is yes, we've got some coaching changes in or around you know some key areas, but Sean McVay still in lead of this organization. Les Snead still around. They still have a lot of core pieces there, veterans on this team, kind of getting some of these guys up to speed and just jumping on to the next thing. So uh, I'm kind of, I'm really interested in this. I would, I would have the Rams. I, I can't even use home field advantage. Can't even say, well, there's going to be tons of Cowboys fans there. We don't know that yet. Uh, so that may not be uh play into this. So if it just comes out to an old fashioned shootout, I think we're both winners in this. Uh, as you talked about putting up a bunch of points, so hopefully the Rams will look through the same thing. So uh, we'll see how this goes. I got it. Want to know you've got it. Want to know, but right now we're talking, uh, we're months out from seeing what's going to happen. And I can't <laughs> wait to kind of loop back with you uh, in September when we get close to this game and, and jump back on the podcast here and see what has happened over those last couple of months, where we are at and kind of where some of those predictions may still lay. So enjoy the conversation, Landon. Appreciate having this, this talk with you today and look forward to the next time having you back on the podcast. Can't wait.